We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, welcome to BuzzBeat. Thanks for joining us again for another episode. This is Richie, and we have a fun episode lined up today as we will be chatting about the Hornets, their offseason, and kind of moving forward into the beginning of the season, as well as ending with a like fantasy draft at the end of the episode. We are live on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter video. Joining me today, I've met this guy in person at a Hornets game a couple times. I've had his dad on the podcast, so you've got some big shoes to fill here. <laughs> but we've got Gil McGregor, a fellow Hornets fan, a Panthers fan, and a Braves fan. I'm, I'm not a Wake fan, but we've got three of those in common. How's it going? Pretty good. Three out of four is not bad. And I definitely have my, you know, seeing my dad's size 17s laying around. They're huge field, shoes to fill, <laughs> literally. Um, but hopefully, I, I would think we're probably one of the first father-son duos on here. So uh, honored, honored to say that we could uh, that we could have that honor, too. Actually, you're not, Gil. I, I just thought not of this. Not the first. No, PJ, PJ, and uh, Paul Washington have okay. been on here. There you go. So, okay, so yeah. the second, the second, the, the second, second. Do it. Yes. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. So yeah, he he came on and he reminisced about those early '90s teams. Um, he talked about the game-winning shot in '93, and it was it was awesome to hear his side because he obviously experienced it firsthand. And we're a little bit too young for that, so we could only <laughs> go back and watch you know YouTube clips and stuff of that nature. But let's get into the Hornets. You know, just generally speaking, I know this is kind of a wide open question. What did you think of the Hornets offseason? And did it really move the needle enough for you? Uh, were there moves that you liked, disliked? Like, what would you have done differently? You know, it's interesting because it was kind of quiet, um, yeah. so to speak. When when the draft is the highlight of your offseason, so to speak, a lot of times that doesn't necessarily move the needle for people, especially um, when people are kind of torn over the draft selection with Brandon Miller. But I think that... In the instance or in the case of the Hornets, I think quiet can be good. You know, I think that a lot of moves were made in the margins. They were very active, um, you know, with Brandon Miller, but also, um, you know, adding Nick Smith Jr. Um, and, and obviously the big one is bringing back Miles Bridges with the qualifying offer. Um, that is essentially adding another player who knows where his conditioning is. He hasn't played basketball in a year. And obviously it would, I'd be remiss not to acknowledge the circumstances surrounding his return can make fans, you know, feel 
different types of ways about it. So I understand that as well. So um, it really was a big offseason of kind of taking care of home, um, you know, drafting uh, for fit and drafting for need and also, um, you know, bringing back uh, P.J. Washington, making sure uh, he was good. And then, and then the one free agent addition, Frank Nilekina, um it's, it's kind of taking a chance on something that could play out because I, I feel like that was kind of a similar conversation we would have about Dennis Smith Jr. last year, you know, taking a flyer on somebody and, and kind of giving them one last shot for a guy who's playing to, to extend their career. So um, it, it's interesting. I think that uh, it's how you build, uh, you know, through the draft and build through the, the, the homegrown talent. So uh, I guess kind of wait and see now. Yeah, I'm with you. I think, you know, the fact that the PJ signing took forever, like you just yeah, didn't know what yeah. was going to take place there. But I do think the priority this offseason was re-signing Miles and I guess to a certain extent re-signed PJ, even though they mm -hmm. played hardball with him. And I right. guess they played hardball with Miles as well because of the situation. But to me, I think the biggest disappointment, and you named him, was not retaining DSJ. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you can take a flyer on Nilakina. But at least you know what you had with DSJ right. with the rim pressure and the perimeter defense. And most importantly, like he just went to the Nets for such a little amount of money. Right. So I'm just like, what what was going on there? Like they just didn't prioritize him. Like he just didn't feel wanted. Like what would be the reasoning DSJ would leave? I mean, that's really the only reason I can think of. Yeah, that, that was curious to me, too, because like you said, when he moved on, I was expecting it to be like, oh, OK, they didn't want it to do that or it didn't necessarily match the vision. But as we saw last year, it was a perfect fit and he really did kind of rejuvenate his career here. He's close to home uh, being a guy from Fedville. So it, it kind of felt like everything aligned for him to kind of stay and just be a small building block type piece for 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 the team moving forward um so now it leaves a, a big void for all the reasons that you outlined and, and i'm really curious uh to, to how that looks this upcoming season what do you think it happens with Ubre? like who i mean he's not really been linked with a lot of teams it, it's it's so weird like you know it's it's again dragging out and i think that that kind of speaks to everything that's happened we talked about the hardball with pj talked about you know dsj just kind of moving on inexplicably almost and now kelly Ubre again is another guy like it's almost like the free agents in charlotte just have a weird market <laughs> attached to them and i've seen his name like just mentioned but not necessarily like you said it aligned with any specific team just like oh yeah kelly Ubre is still out there and, and he showed to have value you know what, what he does but it's just i'm curious to see if it's like the type of thing that sorts out you know two weeks before training camp because he's a veteran i could see a team doing that but maybe it's just a matter of the financials or or, or what he thinks his fit should be right. but it's kind of weird yeah you know with the money drying up and teams making their moves like yeah. kelly Ubre might be uh at the mercy of any kind of offer that comes his right. way so when you look at this roster, when you look at the coaching, when you look at the moves that they made heading into the season, what would you say is your biggest concern for this team or or two? Yeah, I was going to say the first one we talked about, you know, stems with that the absence of Dennis Smith Jr. Now, who's going to fill that void, right? Who's going to be um, the person that comes in when LaMelo uh, come, you know, takes a break? Who's going to be the guy who comes off the bench? Are you going to rely on Terry to kind of be, uh, lead the offense when, when LaMelo's not on the floor? Um, is it going to be somebody that you trust? And, and we saw it during summer league, right? Like there was not really any true playmaking on that roster. Um, there's not anybody coming up the system that they can kind of lean on uh, if, as far as that goes. So I, I'm really concerned about that. You know, 
last year was about as bad as it could possibly be as far as injuries go. So hopefully this team can stay healthy again. Um, but if injuries happen, you need to have depth. So I'm curious, similar to what we said about Kelly Oubre, is there a depth signing out there that they're looking to make, you know, when training camp comes around, they kind of shovel some things around and make some numbers work on the roster. So um, that's a big concern. And, and I'm also curious about the front court depth. I know last year, um, you know, we were, very interested to see what the young guys could do. Um, you know, that that trio or quartet of young guys in the front court, um, you know, saw some flashes from all of them at, at certain points. But now it's like, can we get sustained things from those guys in order to just kind of take a big step forward um, and really establish this team and build as you want to build around a young star and budding superstar in LaMelo? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, it's funny, the front court situation, uh, there's been seasons past where you just have no idea what's going on mm -hmm. at the center rotation. But at least this year, you know that Mark Williams is kind of coming yeah. into the job, you know, starting job to lose. You've got Nick Richards, who recently signed that extension. I've always had this conversation with some of my co-hosts on the podcast. Like, what what are your thoughts on, I guess not just centers, but just players in general? Like, I feel like Mark Williams and Nick Richards have a similar play style. I mean, mm -hmm. I think Mark Williams is definitely more impactful, but like yeah. sometimes I wonder if having a change up, you know, a switch up in the backup center role could throw, you know, teams for a loop sometimes. But like having the same exact player, maybe there's some continuity like aspect to that. That that's an advantage. But you know, do you have any thoughts on the fact that these guys are basically the same mold? Yeah, there's two ways of looking at it, right? And I think that's an interesting way to kind of approach 
the topic where it's like, okay, guys who can be rim protecting rim threats because rim runners, rim right. lob threats, you know, I think that's kind of what we've seen the, the league, uh, I guess, really prioritize is guys who can protect the rim, guys who can finish above the rim, or you're a stretch five. It seems like there's like no real in-between right now in, in today's game. So it's like, do you really find yourself as a team who's going to impose the way that you want to play night in and night out? And, and I feel like a team like the Hornets who are looking to be an up-and-comer, I don't think they can afford to impose that. Well, I think they kind of need to adjust. So I do think it would help to have, you know, a stretch five type guy um, to kind of have some variance because one night might call for a certain style and a different night or a different 10 to 12 minutes spot in the game could call for that as well. So, you know, I, that's something that I'm curious about if that's something that they maybe try uh, to find moving forward, you know, whether it's, you know, on the, the secondary trade market or somebody becomes available or something that they're just eyeing, you know, in the big, big, big picture talking like future drafts and things like that. But, but it is something that I, I've noticed when you watch this team play, it doesn't really change. And I guess, like you said, continuity, consistency, but like, you do need to have, you know, some shooting from the perimeter as a, as a big man in this league. Now we've seen with, with a lot of teams. And Clifford seemed, I guess, a little bit adverse to playing PJ at that stretch five last season. Mm-hmm. That Those numbers went down. Um, I don't know if significantly is the right word, but they definitely went down. And yeah, I have the same concerns as you, the health first off, like yeah. you mentioned that like outside of PJ, maybe Rozier, there just doesn't seem to be a lot of durability on this team. And, <laughs> At any moment, a player can go down for, you know, 20 straight games. And then the backup point guard position, you mentioned that as well. I think Nilakina is a little bit of a mystery. DSJ, you had a little bit more of a known commodity. Mm-hmm. But it's funny, Clifford seems to have a mold of guys that he yeah. likes with his reserve point guards. Somebody with length, somebody that's more defensive-minded, able to guard multiple positions. You know, everything I've heard of Frank Nilakina, he's a good teammate. I do wonder, like, how he's going to play offensively. He's very limited on that end. Right. And last season, and I know that the injuries of Lamella played a role in this, but it feels as if the Hornets relied a little bit too much on Rozier as the backup mm-hmm. point guard, yeah. which has not produced like awesome results. Like he's just not built for that. His strengths right. were off the ball. So I do wonder like if that's the way that they're going to turn again, and I wish they wouldn't, but then you also have to trust Neil Aquina on the offensive end as well. I just, I keep going back to it. I wish they would have kept DSJ, but I guess something, something must've been, um, you know, a non-starter with him with that. But yeah, we will see how that moves forward with them. And I think they need shooting as well, but I think that's just a personnel thing really. Mm -hmm. Opposite question here. Like what is an aspect of this team that, maybe gets overlooked by the national media types or maybe something that gives you a little bit more hope heading into the season. You know, when you, when you mentioned this and, and I was kind of preparing and looking at some things, a, a few names and ideas came to mind. Like I think the the fan base and the diehards will see on a daily basis or a nightly basis. I think there's become a big contingent that's in love with Bryce McGowan's. I think that that's like on a, on a large scale, people are not, uh, privy of what he's capable of doing as a player. I think that people will learn a lot about him. I think he really fits in and does a lot of things that a, a good basketball team needs. And he makes winning plays, as a lot of coaches say. Um, I think within the fan base, I think that there's been so much talk about the draft class and, and what should or shouldn't have been done at number two. There's not a lot of talk about Nick Smith Jr. And he's a guy who, you know, coming into last year was projected by a lot of people to be a lottery pick. I know we talked about durability and it's kind of bad to say it. He had durability issues last year in the 35 game season at, at Arkansas, but he's a guy who does have lottery talent if he's able to, to get that, that 
part figured out. So I think that's somebody that fans should maybe realize that they might have gotten a steal um, in, in this draft and, and have an opportunity to see. And then the third person that I mentioned or I thought about, and again, I guess it kind of is the durability thing again, you know, Cody Martin barely played last year. Yeah. So getting him back, that's kind of like another addition to the roster, you know, without, you know, signing anybody or anything like that, just getting him back in the lineup and seeing what he's able to do. Um, that That's another thing that I think doesn't necessarily get acknowledged that much because he missed so much time. It's almost like he's just not there. Right, right. And I think some people like forget about Mark Williams for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. I, I've read articles like saying that the Hornets need center help. <laughs> and, you know, you speak of center depth, but like center help, I feel right. like, like they have nothing at the center position. Right. And I think because his minutes were so sporadic last season and he didn't play consistently, at least to begin the season, maybe people forgot about him. And he also got injured towards the end of the year, I think, right. with his like wrist or hand or something like that. But when he came in the fold defensively, like the Hornets def- defensive stats went up tremendously. They, they were like bottom five in, in defense. And then when he came in, it was like, you know, just when he played, it was probably top 15, top half. and. Yeah. I know that after the All-Star break, probably when he started to pick up some things, I think the Hornets were like sixth or seventh in the NBA mm-hmm. on defense. So there seems to be a strong correlation between his presence and the way that he got more comfortable on that end of the court. And this team did play a ton better on that end. So, you know, it's not just the rim defense, too, because I've, I've noticed that he's a little bit more agile than I would have right. you know, anticipated coming out of Duke. So Mark Williams is a name that I think we need to bring up as well. Absolutely. I think one thing about him, especially, it, it's only going to get better. It, it's really hard to play as a rookie and it's really hard to play defense as a rookie, but especially at the five position. So it's only going to get easier for him. You know, he's going to learn, you know, pick and roll schemes, you know, the ins and outs of just how to impose his physicality, his verticality as, as a rim protector, all those things are going to get better. And and with more consistency, as we talked about earlier, knowing, okay, day one, I'm the starting guy uh, on this team. I don't have to worry about looking over my shoulder, somebody coming to get me or who I'm playing behind. Um, I think it's going to do a lot for his confidence next year too. I actually put out my uh, preferred starters, not necessarily like a prediction uh, about two months ago on Twitter mm-hmm. of Ball, Rozier, Bridges, PJ, and Mark Williams. Mm-hmm. If you were Cliff, like, would those be your five or would you have a different starting five or does it really matter all that much? You know, I, I'm curious of, of I wonder about Gordon and getting yeah, him in yeah, the yeah. in the starting five. Um, but at the same time, that's do you do you ask Miles to like ease back in or, or are you and, and I guess maybe the decision is made for yourself if he's you know, suspended for the first, you know, 10 or whatever games of the season. And then he just comes off the bench anyway and you figure it out. Um, or are you just kind of having, you know, Gordon kind of be that super sub guy who can be that I think starting him though gives you a little more variance with Brandon Miller coming off the bench maybe he can kind of be an understudy so to speak um then you can see what you have with him and and it gives it puts less pressure on Brandon Miller uh to be ready right away which I think people are I think that's why people are so critical of him which I understand he's the number two pick but it right. takes time um so I'm curious about that and and the other question would be or, or do you have the same discussion about PJ coming off the bench but um I think I, I like the same thing I think maybe starting Gordon Hayward and, and PJ Washington in the front court with, with Mark Williams I, I like that I think that's maybe what I'm expecting to see um but once Miles Bridges is back active and then maybe back kind of having his feet under him I could see them making some changes and who knows what what the roster looks like you know 20 games in the year and after trade deadline it could make things way different right yeah I think the real reason I had Gordon coming off the bench not because I don't think he's like not starter material like he could start on this team real easily but 
I think with his injury history and just maybe lessening his load a little bit. Um, and I think I mentioned before about Rozier maybe being the backup point guard. You know, you want a little bit more playmaking, and I think Gordon Hayward provides that with the backup rotation. That's true. And I think a lot of people are clamoring for Brandon Miller to start as the number two overall pick. But I I personally don't see it, at least not in the first, you know, couple of months of the season. How much of a role do you see with him getting, you know, in his rookie season? And, and no, when do you start to see maybe those minutes get a little bit of an uptick? It's going to take some time. And I think that that anybody that, that can kind of look at it with with, I guess, a little bigger picture in mind knows that. Um, one thing that encourages me about him is that he was able to show flashes during summer league. And that was without a player of LaMelo Ball's caliber next to him. So when he gets to play against NBA level, all NBA level playmaking, I think it's going to make him look much better. Um, and it's going to make him look exactly how the team envisioned him looking. Um, I, I do think it'll be ups and downs uh, to start, but I, I do think that, you know, Around that 40, 50 game mark of the year, we'll really get a good idea of what he's going to be. Um, I expect him to have an all NBA, all rookie uh, caliber season this year. I think he's going to show some big flashes. I think he's going uh, to have some 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 big scoring performances, have some games where he can be that knockdown shooter and really just benefit off the playmaking of LaMelo Ball. So I'm actually really excited about what he's able to do. I think a lot of people who, um, you know, talk down on the pick and I understand the allure of Scoot Henderson, but I think that he's going to show exactly why the Hornets decided to, to draft them he's going to have some some moments this season i'm going to cut out that all rookie and keep the all nba in there that, that, that's your <laughs> prediction yeah third third team or second team gail yeah <laughs> depending on the voters people the voters think yeah i i think um you know i don't know if they'll ever get close to like 28 29 30 minutes per game i mean maybe but i kind of see it more towards like the 24 25 26 range yeah. and like i think the impact that i'm looking at for him and they're different players, but like last season with Matherin, like, you know, Matherin was really, really good last season. Yeah. And, you know, they're different players. Like he has the ball in his hands a little bit more. You'd expect Miller to be a better three point shooter. But if you yep. got that same kind of impact, give or take, I feel like that'd be a successful season for Brandon. Yeah, I think that's important for, for young players. Simplify the game for them, right? Like if you know you're coming off the bench, you know you're going to get your 15, 20, 25 minutes, whatever it is, and know that in that time you're expected to shoot when you're open, run the floor. You have a guy who's going to hit you every time that you're open. I think that that makes the game much easier for him on offense, and I think he can learn and really grow into that potentially has because he does have a lot of potential on the defensive end as well. All right, I got to get your thoughts on Rozier. I think part of the reason why it may be hard for Miller to get significant minutes this season is because of Terry. He signed yeah. for three more seasons at about, what, $24, 25000000 million. And, you know, he's been with the team for three, four years, heading into his, like, I don't know if it's fourth season or fifth season. I can't, can't remember. But, you know, I think he's a very divisive player among Hornets community. I think some players, uh, people really like his you know, his impact as a shooter, you know, what do you think of him as a player? What do you think of him as a fit with this team next to LaMelo? Do you have strong feelings about Rozier and if he's really worth that contract? I think the contract, given the production, I think it, it, it makes sense. I think it's interesting because a lot of times we think about the figure and not necessarily the market. Um, for him, I think he's the perfect example of that. Um, I, I've seen him at his best with this team. I think Honestly, it feels like we're nearing the end of the marriage between the two parties. You know, it's, it's a reason that he's been mentioned a lot of times at trade deadline. 
a lot of contenders would want a player of that caliber, you know, a guy who's played in big games, um, you know, played uh, in big moments in the, in the postseason during his time with Boston. Um, so it does kind of feel like we're nearing that, but it does seem like by all accounts, just by looking at the the chemistry and the body language between him and the team, there's a good fit and a, and a really good locker room element of him and a good relationship between him and, and LaMelo specifically. But I do think at some point there's probably going to be a time in which it will be in the best interest of both parties for the young guys to be able to grow and, and kind of grow out of the roles that they are already in. Um, and, and honestly, for him to find a situation to maybe have a, a hand uh, in a team competing uh, for something bigger than, than the Hornets are competing for right now. So it, it feels like that, but but I don't know um, necessarily if that's what they want right now. Because like you said, ball account seems like he loves being here and loves playing here. Yeah, yeah. And, he, and he's a guy, to your point, that probably would benefit from better talent around him. Yeah. And with the Hornets being so unhealthy, when one or two players go down, his impact goes down as well. Absolutely. Last question about the Hornets. Give me a player on this roster whether it's a starter, whether it's someone lower on the pecking order that really needs to take a step forward this season for the Hornets to fully be successful and kind of reach their potential. You know, it's interesting because the first one I thought about guys who need to step forward, I'm thinking of guys who need to step forward just for their NBA careers. And I think that James Booknight's a guy who just needs to step forward. I think anybody would agree um, that he needs to show something, but um, I'm actually going to go with Kai Jones. I think that he has a, a lot of tools and I think that for a while Everyone's been waiting for him to put it together. Um, I think that it's time to, to kind of show uh, and prove what that what that's going to be like uh, for him. You know, we saw it flashes of it when he was at Texas, and we've seen flashes of it um, with this Hornets team and also um, at Summer League. So now it's time to put it together, benefit from playing uh, next to the guys that he's playing with, because I think he can be that X factor just given the tools that he has, um, especially the way the league is trending. Um, I think he could be a guy that allows this team to um, raise its ceiling a little bit. Yeah, my, my answer to this question uh, would be Cody Martin. And okay. you mentioned it towards the beginning of the podcast, like his health. Mm -hmm. I am still a little bit unsure of how healthy he actually is. I, I do mm -hmm. wonder how long it's going to take him to kind of get back to where he was because he played all of like seven games last season. And even in those seven games, like it didn't fully feel like he was back. I mean, he played in the opener and then that's mm -hmm. when he got injured. And then he came back for, I think, six more games. You know, he's just such a key player in this roster, and you do miss his defensive presence. Right. You do miss a little bit of that playmaking that he does provide. And like I said, that that second unit needs that playmaking. So I, I feel as if he is going to get injured again or doesn't really fully come <laughs> back. I don't think the Hornets are really going to kind of reach that potential. So that would be my answer for that. But Kai Jones, like, you know, you're still waiting on that guy to pop. And I, I just right. wonder, you know, I mean, he's he started basketball kind of at a late age. Mm -hmm. I just don't know if we'll ever get there. I've kind of lost a little bit of hope with him. So, all right, let me go through the teams in the East. I just want to do this real quick. Okay. I'm going to list off some teams. Okay. You just tell me, like, unless there's something like crazy that happens, injuries, trades, yeah. like, tell me which teams are guaranteed to make the playoffs. And okay. then I want to see where, like, the Hornets fall in this and kind of compare Hornets to some of these other teams. So Fair. these first ones are going to be pretty easy. You think Milwaukee is guaranteed to make the playoffs? Absolutely. Okay. Heat. Yes. Okay, that's two. Celtics. Yes. Sixers. Yes. Cavs. Yes. Knicks. Yes. So what about the Hawks? I would not as strong of a yes, but I, I'm still leaning towards yes with the Hawks as well. Okay, so that's seven teams making yeah. the playoffs in your, in your opinion. What about the Nets? Could you? Is there a world where you see them missing the playoffs? 
There is a world where I see them missing the playoffs. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, then I wouldn't say they're guaranteed. Okay. I wouldn't say guaranteed. No. Yeah. And then Pacers. Not guaranteed. No. Okay. Okay. So where do you, where do you have the Hornets ranked among like the magic, the Raptors, the bulls and the Hornets? Like if you were to rank those four teams, magic Raptors, bulls, Hornets, those four. I think I have, I have the bulls clear cut ahead of those teams. Just, okay. just given the Levine, uh, DeRozan pairing and what we know and Vucevic, what we know about those guys. The Raptors are a big question mark for me. I think mm-hmm. of all these teams listed, you could argue that Pascal Siakam is the best talent of those teams. Uh, but I think the Fred Van Vliet departure is just their questions um, at point guard. I think of, of those teams, I think the Hornets and Pacers, I think, are right there. I think the Raptors are kind of an incomplete just because there's so many question marks. But when I when I was thinking about this, I kind of had those teams jumbled together. I think the Magic, Pacers, and and, and Hornets are kind of all on that similar timeline. I, mean, I think the Magic are a little bit ahead of schedule just because of how good Paolo Bencaro is. Yep, yep. Um, but I think just, you know, thinking even down to the fact that Tyrese Halliburton and LaMelo Ball are draft classmates um, and that they've built a young roster around these guys. Um, you know, the Magic, I think, were better than people realized last year. I think they ended up winning 34, 35 games. So they honestly were kind of right there uh, based on what they were able to do. And, and Franz Wagner is, is another really good player. So um, I think those are the teams that the Hornets are going to be kind of jumbling. And when I think about the teams who were either in the playoffs or the play-in last year, I think the Raptors are the team that made the biggest fall off. And I think that there are a lot of teams are going to be clawing uh, to kind of jump into that spot. I'd agree with that that situation. And I I kind of agree with your your like top seven, uh, the Nets, the Pacers, the Magic. That's kind of where it gets a little bit iffy on if mm-hmm. those teams are guaranteed to make the playoffs. Obviously, you can only have eight. But yeah, the Raptors and the Hornets, I feel like those two teams are going to be battling it out for like that 11th spot. Mm-hmm. To me, like the Wizards and the... Pistons are the only two teams that I like. I can confidently say that the Hornets are better than, but yep. they could they could very well pass the Raptors. They could very well pass, you know, potentially maybe the Pacers and the Magic. But yeah. it's it's hard to say that on a Hornets podcast. But they're definitely going to be in the top three. I'm sorry, bottom three or bottom four in the East, and I don't think that's something that fans are going to be getting used to. I feel like they think that they're going to be competing for a top eight seed. I just, I don't see it. But maybe, I mean, maybe something drastic happens. But in your opinion, Hornets aren't making the playoffs well play in maybe i guess i think that the play in tournament is a possibility I, I think when you look at the lack of success last year and, and again it's almost like sound like a broken record when you talk about just how many injuries this team dealt with last year we never really got a chance one your best players were on the floor and then these guys have had no chemistry when they were on the floor together because they barely played together so if you can get healthy um and, and and get a chance to look at what you've got i think the biggest focus should be um, and, and it's hard as a fan, especially having, you know, the playoff drought that this team is in right now. But if they can take a step in the right direction this year, I think that it's sustainable because of how young the core is. The nucleus is super young. And you have, like I said, a young all-star in LaMelo Ball who's now committed. And that's something we didn't mention this offseason. Big highlight is LaMelo Ball signing that extension as well. That's probably the biggest win. So keeping keeping him, you know, in, in Charlotte for, for, the, for the distant future, I think is big because you're building the right direction and showing him um, that, you know, and, and drafting who we wanted, to, wanted the team to draft. Um, that's how you keep a star and a superstar around here. So I think that's the biggest focus. Yeah, I can't believe we forgot that as a move this <laughs> offseason. But uh, I guess I guess it's like, you know, future years. Yeah, right. It's not, it's not in place yet. So Right, right. All right, we're going to end on this. Uh, I was thinking about some kind of uh, idea to do a draft for the Hornets historical team. 
But I wanted to kind of add some parameters here. And for those that are listening, you guys can kind of play along. You guys can judge our teams. I think when it's all said and done, Gail, like we're not going to have the best 10 players for the Hornets because right. the rules that I have for this, you got to draft five players and you got to have two guards, two forwards and a big. And maybe if there's some kind of dispute about the position, we can talk it over before we move on. Because I want you to establish if it's a guard or a forward or a forward or big. That way you're not going back and trying to rearrange. But the bigger thing here, you must draft a player that is uniform number, you know, zero through nine, single digits. Then you've got a player in the 10 to 19 range, a player from 20 to 29, a player from 30 to 39, and then a player 40 plus upwards. So, we're going to field a five-man lineup. Since you're the guest, I will allow you to either take the first pick or you can take the second and third pick as we snake it back around. What What would you like to do? Well, um, I'm going to uh, – you know what? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll take the second and third pick as we snake it back around. Okay. Okay, good, because I, I wanted the first pick. Okay. okay. So <laughs> I feel Fair. like there's some strategy to this, and – this one player is obviously not the best player in Hornets history, but I think based on the number parameters, you know, maybe the lower numbers are probably a little bit easier to pick for, but I'm going to go with Glenn Rice with my first overall pick. He's, you look at, <laughs> he's number 41. I just thought that the forties and upwards were going to be very hard to draft and I'm going to put him down as a forward, which I don't think is really disputable, but you yeah. know, three, three time all-star for Charlotte. Uh, he's got some size, got some strength. He's an awesome shooter. He really shot the ball well from behind the arc here in Charlotte. I think over 40% every single season. I know it was only for, for three seasons. Mm -hmm. So that was my strategy. I think the skill could even translate over to today's NBA. He's got the accolades as well. A very, very nice pickup with the number one overall pick. Uh, number 41, he feels that. And then the forward position, I've got Glenn Rice with my first overall pick. That's that's a great that's a great great pick great strategy so I, I got to give you a lot of credit there he was definitely on my big board so I have to cross him off now um, that being said I will start with the center uh, and and he, again not greatest player but arguably the best player to ever wear a Hornets uniform despite having a short period of time and that's number thirty three Alonzo Mourning um, that was my first pick thinking about his rim protection thinking about what he's able to do the moments that he had again short time uh, in a Charlotte Hornets uniform but um, just just did a lot for the team um, and then. Uh, the second pick, I will actually go uh, into the teens. Okay. And um, I'm going to go with, I guess, I, I guess I'll go with a forward again, actually. Um, I'm thinking defense, thinking a little bit of oh. playmaking. No, no. Are you going, going, are you going, you going Mason? I'm going, I'm going Anthony Mason. Man. I'm going Anthony Mason. That is a good pickup there. Ahead of his time. I, I was I was looking at him for the teens. He is actually like my favorite player that doesn't get talked about enough here in Charlotte, just because he fills up the box score. Like he's like a walking triple double. And that was a good pick with Morning too. Obviously, we had your dad on, and he was talking about that call that he had in the right. Coliseum back in '93. And uh, yeah, so you've got a center, you've got a forward, and you've got your 30s and and your teens off the board. So. Yeah. Let me think about this. Um, I guess there's probably no reason for me to draft in the 30s or the teens because you can't go there. That's a fair point. <laughs> so let me hold off on those. Let me go. I'm going to go with another forward. I'm going to go number 24. I'm going to go Jamal Mashburn. Um, I have an affinity for those late 90s teams. 
And again, you know, a lot of his years also came in New Orleans. I don't think that necessarily counts towards his like overall perception here in Charlotte, but he was an all-star, albeit, you know, over there in New Orleans, pure score, nice back to the basket game, nice fadeaway, uh, a guy that you can feed when your team needed a basket. And he was a huge reason why the Charlotte Hornets almost made it to the Eastern Conference Finals back in 2001. Um, Very, very good in those playoffs. All right, so this is my third pick as I snake it back around. Okay, I can't draft any more forwards. Okay, let me think here. I'm going to need a big and some guards. All right, I'm going to go... I'm trying to think about this here. Okay, I'm going to go... Kimball Walker. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. <laughs> because I need I need someone in the teens. And I've got I've got two players lined up in single digits. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I don't want to hold off on that just to give me myself some options. But yeah, obviously he was a player that probably would have been better had he been surrounded by better players. Like when he hit his prime, mm-hmm. the Hornets started to get better. They started to make the playoffs, but then his body started to wear down. You know, he is he is a guy that leaves the Hornets with a lot of accolades, three-time all-star. His last season, he was on the All NBA team, like Brandon Miller, according to you, right? All NBA. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I loved I loved his competitive nature. Like he was undersized, he progressed as a shooter, and like I said, I do wonder how his career could have been different had he been surrounded by better talent when he was 23, 24, 25, not when he was 27 or 28. So, that's my first guard off the board. It's great. That's that's a, that's a great pick. I was really torn when I when I said teens just now. I was like, do I say Anthony Mason or Kimball Walker? But I had Anthony Mason higher on my big board. Just, Me too. Me too. So, so to speak. So um, I, I need some guards. So I will go on the single digits. It, it's pretty wild to look through this and see just how loaded the the franchise kind of is. It seems like the, some of the best players who've had the best seasons wore single digit mm. uniforms. But uh, I got to pick with the heart and the brain. I'm going with Baron Davis, uh, number one. Um, my my favorite player to ever to ever play for the franchise. Um, ahead of his time, honestly, in the way he played, when you see a lot of these young uh, athletic guards, um, a lot of that is the mold that, that Baron Davis kind of had uh, in, in the late 90s and early 2000s. So that's a no-brainer for me. Uh, and then now it gets a little tricky uh, here, uh, especially, again, with your, your great pick to, to go with the 40-plus to start. Um, but I'm going to go with a guard in the 20s who probably wasn't going to be my first pick or, or first priority here. but Got to get one. I'm gonna go Jason Richardson. Is that is, is there a debate that, he's, that he could he could be the two guard or, or is that is that cool? No, that's that's probably where okay. I would have been pegged too. So okay, well we're gonna reunite the we believe Warriors uh, in this Hornets backcourt. All right. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. All right, so you've got uh, one pick left, and I've got two pick, and I'll um go ahead and finish this off here. Now, see, the, me drafting a center is gonna be difficult because you drafted Morning. Uh, I was thinking about Vladi Divac, but I just drafted somebody in the teens, so I probably shot myself in the foot there. And then I can't draft Al Jefferson because I drafted Mashburn. Oh, gosh. Who's a center? I mean, Emeka Okafor? No, I can't do that either because yeah, he's 40 50. plus already. So what, what's left? Your single digits? I got single digits, and I've got 30s. Why did I did not? I, this strategy backfired. I should have Elden drafted. Elden Campbell's right there. Huh? Elden oh, Eldon Campbell right at there. five. Yeah. Um, I forgot that he actually was 41, I think, for one season with the Hornets. But then I got to draft a guard in the 30s. Man, I didn't even look at the 30s that hard. I mean, there. I mean, that's that's a no-brainer. Oh, Dell, Dell. Okay, there you go. Okay, I, okay, okay. So let me. I guess it doesn't matter the order. I will go. I'll go. Eldon Campbell 
as my center. And then he's number five, obviously. And then Del Curry as my guard at number 30. I kind of messed this up. I wish I would have went Vladi Divac and then maybe gone Muggsy Bogues as my point guard in the single digits. I kind of overthought this year. But I still like my team. Glenn Rice, Mashburn, Walker, Eldon Campbell, and Del Curry. Uh, Your last pick has to be a forward. I'm not left with that many options, so I'm going to go with my guy, P.J. Brown. Oh, in the 40s. Yep, that's good. 42. Yep, yep. Defensive player, good rebounder. Yeah, that, that fifteen to seventeen footer was was automatic uh, a lot of times too. So that, I'll, I'll take it. All right, we'll we'll definitely get our, our listeners to kind of look at this and to see who made the better draft choices. I, I wish I would have done some things differently, but yeah, Baron Davis is my is my favorite player as well. Anthony Mason, like I mentioned, was a guy that I just think underrated among Hornets fans. Absolutely. So you took two of my players that I just kind of have a, a certain affinity for. But thank you so much for joining Absolutely. us, Gil. Uh, do you want to promote anything you got going on at, at Sporting News and go ahead and, and tell our listeners? Oh, yeah, no, we're we're over at the Sporting News uh, covering the FIBA World Cup right now. But throughout the season, uh, we'll be covering the NBA, some Hornet stuff uh, as well. And and for those of you, when you finish listening to BuzzBeat, check out uh, check me out on NBA Sound System Canada, uh, anywhere you can get your podcast as well. So we'll start back up ahead of the, the 2023-24 NBA season. What's the connection with Canada and you? Uh, it, interesting. It, it, aside from, um, I mean, simply put, when I started at the Sporting News, we launched uh, NBA.com in Canada. Uh, so okay. we run NBA.com in Canada, Australia, India, and some other countries as well. So I've been covering Canada and uh, Toronto Raptors basketball in addition to the Hornets and the rest of the league uh, pretty closely for the last five plus seasons now. Oh, very good. Very good. Yeah. Well, we appreciate your time. Awesome Absolutely. insight. Thanks, everyone, for listening to us again. We will talk to you guys later. Go Hornets. 